Welcome to It's a Good Life, where it's all about helping entrepreneurs think, feel, and do better. Last episode, Brian talked about getting back to the good life. Now in part two from our live event, The Peak Experience, he'll continue with lessons from Cool Hand Luke. Let's listen in. How many of you watched the movie? How many of you were depressed afterwards? So think about this. That was my favorite movie as a 10-year-old. Hey, you pay to come hear this guy speak. That's your fault. It struck such a deep chord with me as a kid. And I've told some people this story before, but in the Catholic Church, you get your confirmation at 12. You have to pick a confirmation name. And you're supposed to pick a saint's name. And I picked Luke. And my mother sussed it out. You know, she goes, hey, you're naming after that bloody cool hand, Luke, aren't you? Not Saint Luke. You're going to be Francis like everyone else in the family. Oh, look, there's Kevin Francis. There's four Francis's in my family. They wouldn't let me do Luke. It's all right. So what I'm going to do with Cool Hand Luke is I'm going to walk you through the Valley of Morah. The Valley of Morah is when the children of Israel first escaped bondage in Egypt, right? So they're 400 years in bondage, and they get their release. And, and they're brought through the Valley of Morah. And there were six mountains on the right called Gershon, and there were six mountains on the left called Ebal, six peaks. And they got the good word from Charlton Heston (laughs) that the six peaks were six principles for living a blessed life, or what we would say is a good life. So if you do these six things, good life is yours. And if you do these six things, represented by each one of these peaks, this is you end up with the cursed life. And in our case, you do a lot of cursing when you don't have the good life. And we're going to do that with Cool Hand Luke. And so that I'm not sacrilegious, I'm only doing five each with Luke. So I'm going to say the five ways we need to be like Luke. The five ways that this inspired a 10-year-old boy to become his favorite movie, and it's still in my top five. Okay? Because there's still so much to learn from. And there's so much value there. There are five ways we want to be like Luke. And then there's five life lessons we want to learn from Luke and not do like Luke. Are you guys with me? So we got the blessings and we got the curses. So here comes Cool Hand. The number one thing that Cool Hand Luke had that I always have, that I always want to be, is he was relentless. Relentless. And we need to be relentless in pursuing the good life. I'm relentless in pursuing my bride, pursuing her heart. She's known it from day one. The woman's known, she's loved. Her husband's relentless. I've been relentless in my real estate career. I've been relentless in this business. On three occasions in the last 26 years, when everyone around us was going out of business, it was the relentless nature of Buffini and Company that allowed it to survive and ultimately thrive. Being relentless. When I go to the ocean, I love to go to the ocean, I walk almost two, three times a week. When I'm at the office, I'll drive home the coast road. And if you go from here down to Del Mar, there's four beaches you pass. And when I go to the beach, it's calming, it's beautiful. But when I see that ocean coming in, the word that comes to my mind is relentless. Because relentless can be cool too, just like Luke. So what happened with old cool hand Luke? Mom dies, they put him in the box. 
And we're going to get into his heritage profile, his real strengths here real soon. But when they put him in the box, he would have been like a free-spirited realtor. Anybody know any of those? So when they put him in the box because his mama died, mm -hmm, the next day, he was gone. And it didn't matter where he was gone. He just was gone. And so they chased him all over and they caught him. And when they catch him, not only did they put him in the box, but he got a set of these. He got some leg irons. And now we're going to slow you down. You're going to find out and we're going to find out over the course of three days, we all got these. We all have things that slow us down. We all have things that prevent us from getting to the good life. We all have things that are stealing our freedom. Some are internal, some are external. So they gave him a set of leg irons. How long did that last? Lunchtime. He had lunch. Remember he had to go to the bathroom? My kids have heard this phrase for years, and they never knew where it came from. Shaking it up here, boss. It wasn't until I was preparing for peak experience that a couple of them walked in and go, are you kidding me? We thought that was yours. I go, nothing is mine. And then they catch him again. And now he gets two sets of these. And did that hold him down? No. No, they broke him. They broke his spirit. He was burned out. He was fried. But they still couldn't stop being who he was because he was relentless. And he steals the... You know, he's going to get going with two sets of leg irons. While pretending to be the lackey, he comes along and he steals the keys out of the cars... And off he goes. And I want you to see the most important character in the movie. The most important character in the movie is the skeptic who believes nothing can be done. He's actually the smartest guy in the room. He's the academic. He's the skeptic. He's the person in your life that when you share a goal, they go, yeah, right. Oh, I'm going to lose weight. Yeah, sure you are. Here's a, here's a piece of pie. He's the person who say, when you say, I'm going to take my schedule on the country, yeah, sure you will. You're going to go right back to doing it. He's a skeptic, and all he can do is stand and watch all the time because he's not a doer. Skeptics are scared. They're scared. And as he's watching and living vicariously through someone else, and as the truck goes down the road, and Luke with two sets of leg irons, and his relentless nature is unleashed, the skeptic stands there, and all he does with a cigarette in his mouth, just shakes his head because he's watching someone else in the arena doing what he's too scared to do. You know, Cool Hand wouldn't have given up in a tight real estate market. He wouldn't have given up on his clients who were trying to buy their first home, no matter what the hell the rates are. He just wouldn't have given up. He wouldn't have given up on getting healthy. He wouldn't have given up, given up on getting wealthy. He wouldn't give up on that kid that's gone sideways for 10 years. He just wouldn't have given up because, what's the word? He was relentless. The next thing that's really going to be important is a nonconformist. Nonconformist. This is going to be really important. Like, Luke wouldn't be buying Bitcoin. He wouldn't be panicking and freaking out. Because he has his values, he has his principles, he has his calendar, he knows who he is, and this is what I'm going to do. And what is he in? He's in a card game. And all you see is what goes on in the market, what goes on in a real estate office, where everybody's got their conformity, the group think that you're supposed to have today. Right? You don't, if you don't group think, by the way, in public life, you're canceled. Is that true? So we are actually being predisposed right now to conform, conform, conform. And we know that success does not come 
with conformity. The good life does not come with conformity. So here he is in the card game, and he's betting away, and we have a guy that's betting against him, and he's asking, what should I do? What should I do? I don't believe in me. I don't believe in what I know. I don't believe in my cards or the hand I've been dealt. What should I do? Well, do this. Well, do that. You got to do this. You got to do that. And everybody has an opinion. Everybody, has, he listens to him. He listens to him. And when he gets in trouble, what do they do? Don't listen to me, mullet head. You're on your own. Luke works his own plan. There's a recession coming. The market's going to change. You're going to hear stupid stock stuff. You're going to, cryptocurrency, Warren Buffett's shareholder meeting two days ago said he wouldn't take all the cryptocurrency in the world for $25. Sorry, but you're going to hear it. You're going to hear it. You're going to hear it. You're going to hear the stock market. You're going to hear this stuff. You're going to hear, here's what you should be doing. Here's the real estate company you need to shift to. Here's what you need to do. You're going to hear it. You're going to hear it. And if a bunch of people are saying it, you're probably in trouble. What are your values? What do you believe? Have you ever gone against your gut and you knew it? Those are the worst kind of pain. So let's watch Cool Hand Luke. This is where we want to be like him if we want to be blessed. Not only was he relentless, he was a nonconformist. He knew what he was about, and that's why when he's pressed on, he goes, hey, sometimes nothing is a pretty cool hand. He played the hand he was dealt. What I love about this stuff and how life is stranger than fiction is the guy who was the car dealer. You guys remember him, Trapper, from MASH? You know what he spent the last 30 years of his life doing when he got out of acting? He was actually a brilliant investor analysis. He was on CNBC every day. He was on Bloomberg almost every day. And he spent 30 years as a money manager. I find that somewhat usually ironic based on that little scene. <laughs> Let me say this. Has the, has the market had a little adjustment lately in the stocks? Where's Ben Stewart? Where's my man, B. Stu? B. Stu, where are you at? Hey, here's my man. Stand up, Ben. This is my guy, 20-plus years. He's helped a lot of you folks out, too. And he set up a bunch of ringers to play golf with him yesterday, too, by the way. That's what money guys do. I said, Ben, what are you telling your clients right now? And I'm one of them. He says, I'm telling them, just not for the next three months, don't look at your stocks. We, we got the right strategy. We got the right plan. That's the cool hand. Head and rear down. Let them all lose their lunch over here. You're going to see it in the stock market. You're going to see it with the financial market. You go, oh, the recessions are going to, oh, the Fed. Oh, this, the real estate market. Okay. And what I love about real estate agents is you guys are like, I hate this market. I hate this market. It's not going to change, is it? Oh my God. <laughs> Can't get a buyer a house. I've got this young couple. It breaks my heart. It breaks my heart. It breaks my heart. Oh, rates are going up. This sucks. What's going on? Change is coming. What do you believe? What are your values? What's important? That's what the cool hand is. You need a cool hand and a cool head to survive in a changing market. Are you guys making, are you with it? Next, Luke was goal-oriented. Did you know that? He's totally goal-oriented. And he had a lot of different goals. Sometimes it was escaping out of jail. But then he had a fun goal. You remember his fun goal? No? You got anybody watch the movie? You know, you should come to my house and watch the movie with me. Remember he wanted to eat 50 eggs? Gonna eat 50 eggs. Nobody can eat 50 eggs. Now, Dragline was like, he was like David Lally for me. Even when he knows I'm wrong, I'm right. My boy says he can eat 50 eggs. He can eat 50 eggs. Nobody can eat 50 eggs. I know. Gonna do it in an hour. 
Hold on a second here. What does our skeptic say? No one, no one can eat 50 eggs. The group think goes, it's got to weigh six pounds. Can't be done. Skeptic leads with his money. He's so, by the way, very strong in his conviction of being wrong. Just like the strong voice George Kennedy played. George Kennedy won the Oscar for that role. Telling the guy, bet, 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 bet. Isn't it amazing that people who are wrong are so vocal about it and so emphatic you should follow them? And you cave into your own gut and don't play your own hand. And we conform, and then we lose, and we also lose respect for ourselves. We lose trust in ourselves. Don't empty your own trust account. So you got the great supporter, and we all have one of those who's in our, got our back no matter what. For some of you, it's your coach. They're going to go down swinging with you. And then you got the guys that are like, uh, you know, the, guy, the same guy that conformed and bet when he shouldn't have bet. Can't be done. And then old society read, he's the intelligent one. He not only is a skeptic, he also, skeptics lay down rules. All skeptics lay down rules of why you can't succeed. Now, after he eats the eggs, society red stands over Luke, who's in this crucifixion-type pose, and goes, nobody can eat 50 eggs. He questioned it. He didn't swallow the last. I still don't believe it. That's what a skeptic is. It's, it's actually, he's all the way to cynic. And we have a lot of cynics in our society today. He's like, he didn't eat the last one. Then when he proved he ate the last one, he stands over Luke and says, you know, kind of a muffled tone when everyone goes away, no one can eat 50 eggs. And then you'll see Luke's little smile. You can read a lot into that. There is fun in proving people wrong. Would you guys agree? You're going to have skeptics and cynics when you set a goal. Some of your goals should be kind of crazy. They should scare you. Did he know for a fact he could do it? It'd be something to do. Be a worthwhile pursuit. He was willing to risk losing. But the skeptics and the cynics will always be there. And even after you achieve the goal, they'll say it can't be done. But what they're really saying is, it can't be done for me because I don't believe. The last piece is he was resilient, Okay. He was resilient. Now, this isn't the best example, but it is an example. He was resilient. Remember when he was in the boxing match? But he was getting the snot knocked out of him, the snot knocked out of him, the snot knocked out of him, the snot knocked out of him. He kept getting up and kept getting up and kept getting up because he's relentless. But he was resilient means he could take the hit. He could take the hit. And he took the hits to such a degree that the guy was beating him up, gave up. That's called having your mind right. Lastly, he was charismatic. Was he? I mean, he's just charismatic. So Lucas, when even asked to do difficult tasks, like calls notes and Popeyes, remember those things you used to do before the recession? Remember those things before the pandemic? So he's doing difficult tasks. He does them with a smile on his face. They're asked to do this backbreaking work at Tara Road. They got to tar this road. They're in Lakeland, Florida, even though it was shot in Stockton. It's hot, it's muggy, there's mosquitoes, there's snakes. And they got to tire this road, and it's designed to break their spirit. But you see, when you have the right spirit, nothing outside you can break your spirit. And nothing could break Luke's spirit. So he brought this contagious energy. So the conformity is, do as little as you can and take as long as you can. And he goes, nah, let's go. And next thing you know, it starts to feed, and it starts to fuel 
every scene that Luke is in this backbreaking work, he has a giant smile on his face because his profile is fully alive. How he's wired and who he is is at full go at that time. This is maybe why he was promoted three times and won all those purple hearts in the war they talked about. And no matter how difficult a job you have or to to lead through whatever circumstance, your charisma can fuel people just like Luke's. And growing up in an environment like I did and my family did where the class system meant you were here, you're the painter's son, you stay there. And this is the other side of the tracks and a cultural economic system that was set up like that. You got to understand being relentless and being a nonconformist and being goal-oriented and being resilient and being charismatic, getting a chance to come to America and unleash that was like hitting that dirt road. Does that make sense? Okay. So here's the five things we want to be like, Luke. Is there something to learn from Luke that's good, yes or no? Here's how we want to learn what not to do. Here's why I knew as a 10-year-old halfway through this movie it's not going to have a happy ending. First, he never made peace with his past. How do we know that? When his mama came to visit him and they had a conversation. And she talked about her husband. Oh, he made me laugh. He wasn't much for sticking around. And he'd have broke you all to hell. Luke never had his dad. And so this wild, unbridled energy never got contained and never made peace with that. Here's the mountain of warning. We have to make peace with our past, no matter how challenging no matter how difficult, no matter what circumstances, and we've all been through it, we have to make peace with our past. Or number two happens. You become a slave to your profile. He was a slave to his profile. Is being a free spirit a good thing, yes or no? Not when it gets you killed. Not when it gives you not an ounce of peace in your life. He was a slave to his profile. We actually have, our team has done Lucas Jackson's profile. It's all done out, just like yours. A lot of yours look very similar to his. <laughs> he was a slave to his profile. Here's the next one. He needed accountability, not followers. He needed accountability, not followers. He had people who just went along with him no matter how destructive his behavior is. Sometimes I play golf for the club, and sometimes I've got a bunch of guys around me that I know pretty well. They're all a bunch of boozers, and they all help one another booze even more. I don't mind having the uncomfortable conversation once in a while. No, first of all, I speak for myself, so I'm not going to conform to that. I'll have a drink. I'll have a beer, but I'm not a boozer. And when I see it being destructive, I don't mind saying, hey, privately, one-on-one, hey, have you ever thought? Sometimes people take it well. Sometimes people don't. I'm not looking to go out of my way with that, but when the opportunity arises. Why? Because the wounds of a friend are better than the kisses of an enemy. Here he is. He's just gotten back. He's just gotten beat up. He's home for an hour. He's plotting his next escape. Now, could he be a help? I don't know. We're going to ask a coach this afternoon how she would have coached Cool Hand Luke. She's already coached quite a few of them. (laughs) So he never made peace with his past, okay? Never did. And he never had the right kind of accountability. Accountability sometimes sucks, but let me tell you, it stops him from having a sucky life. Next, he never makes peace with God. This is, again, over here on the mountains. Again, people who have an axe to grind with God, I get it, I get it, I get it, I get it. He had an axe to grind. If God is good and God is loving, why in the hell was my father not around? I get it. 
But he never made peace with God. That's why he's standing in the rain. You remember him? It's lightning and thunder and whatever, and he's standing out there. Love me, hate me, strike me down, do anything. Isn't that ironic? Lucas Jackson was killed in a church. He never made peace with himself. Never made peace with himself. He never made peace with his past. He was a slave to his profile instead of managing his profile. He never had accountability. He just had followers. He never made peace with God, and he never made peace with himself. And that's it, that's it for all of us. And all of us can learn from Lucas Jackson. Because how many of you in here by a show of hands have ever pushed the self-destruct button yourself? Could I see your hands? How many of you say on occasion you've been your worst enemy? Could I see your hands? That's when the bad side of Luke shows up in all of us. We're going to learn how to manage that today. Now, Paul Newman said, you know, this is a guy who was nominated for an Oscar 10 times and won one. He said this was the most important role of his life, and it changed his life, and it influenced him his whole life. And he also dug in to the good and the bad of his character he had to to play him. And he learned from to be more like Luke, and he also learned, I'm going to be like Luke over here, and I'm not going to be like Luke over here. And in 1982, after a stupendous career, he founded Newman's Own. Have you guys ever bought a Newman's Own product? Italian dressing or cookies or this and that and the other? Over half a billion dollars. Half a billion with a B they raised. Founded in 1988. There's phenomenal hole-in-the-wall camps. 20,000 seriously ill kids a year and their families get to go to hole-in-the-wall camps for free for summer and do things they never thought they were capable of doing. The great quote of Paul Newman, who still remains my favorite actor, said, I'd like to be remembered as a guy who tried. Tried to be part of his times. Tried to help people communicate with one another. Tried to find some decency in his own life. Tried to extend himself as a human being. But is this a quote for our times? But watch the format. I try to be part of my times. I try to help other people communicate with one another. You're gifted communicators in this room. I tried to find some decency in my own life. Put the oxygen mask on first. Have you ever heard me say that? And then extend himself as a human being. Okay. I know the mind can only absorb what the bladder can hold, but let me give you this. <laughs> there's a critical moment in the movie. Just like there's critical moments in our lives. Fork in the road moments in our lives. Am I going to choose the blessing? Am I going to choose the curse? Am I going to choose to live the good life? Am I going to continue in patterns that lead me away from it? There was a moment, a moment, a moment. He had a moment. He had a choice. The good life is a choice. Good relationships are a choice. Good health is a choice. Good business is a choice. Good emotional, mental health is a choice. There's physicality. There's challenges, circumstances. All of that's true. But he had a choice. You guys know when the choice was? It's when his mama died. They had delivered him what was obviously the one possession he had in his life, his little banjo. And he finds out his mom's died. And in those difficult times, you know, there's a, an ancient verse that's considered all joy when you face trials of various kinds. And in that moment, as he finds out his mom has passed, the most meaningful relationship in his life, he is left alone by the, the crowd and he sits on his bed. Do you remember that scene? And he starts to sing a song. Now, here's a guy making, didn't make peace with his past, didn't make peace with himself, didn't make peace with God. And what does he do? He sings a little song that they sing 
in church, in catechism school as a little boy. He went back to being a little boy, playing a song he would have learned as a kid that he probably sang for his mom. I think about my mom, and I know the song that I sing to her all the time. And I have a hard time watching this next scene without thinking about her. And I was, I was preparing for this event months and months ago. I realized I had some choices to make. And I chose, in honor of my mom, to go pursue more of the good life. And to get healthier physically and emotionally, take control of my calendar, do those things. So what happens is he's there, and he's actually singing an ode and an honor to his mom. I don't care if it rains or freezes, long as I got my plastic Jesus sitting on the dashboard of my car. Comes in colors pink and pleasant, glows in the dark because it's iridescent. Bring it with you when you travel far. And when he says that, you can see him catch himself because he's thinking about his mom, who's now taking a new journey. And then from his heart, he sings to his mother. And it's the most transparent, authentic piece of the whole movie. Get yourself a sweet Madonna covered in rhinestone sitting on a pedestal of abalone shell. Going 90, I ain't scary long as I got the Virgin Mary assuring me that I won't go to hell. And then he stops. And the choice is there to be made. And then he makes his choice. And he starts strumming on that banjo and singing that song a different way. And he's made his choice. I'm not going to pursue that. I'm not going to pursue what my mom told me to do. I'm not going to pursue what I know to be the good life. I'm going to go here. And that is the tuning fork moment in the movie. That is the crossroads in the movie. And we all have these crossroads moments. And when they come from hurt and they come from brokenness, they come from difficulty, we all have these moments. And what we have to do at those moments is make the choice to seek the good. You've made a choice to seek the good by being here. Change is hard, isn't it? We all have choices to make. You made a great one being here. How many of you need to go back and watch the movie? You knew that was coming. You guys are going to choose the right one because you've already made the choice. And you're going to be the best version of yourself walking out here after three days, armed with ways through the rest of this year to get yourself a firm grasp on putting the new version of your good life back together by the end of this year. And then the goal is to go reach as many people as you love and as many people as you care for as you can. And we're going to be pebbles on a pond not only to this industry, but to the marketplace, to families and communities everywhere we go. And that's a pretty cool hand. May the road rise up to meet you. And may the wind always be at your back. May the rain fall soft upon your fields and the sun shine warm upon your face. And until we meet again, may God hold you in the hollow of his hand. See you next time.